This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Enter into the presence of the Lord. I believe that God is a God of miracles still. He's a God of healing today, so bless all of you. I welcome every one of you. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'll give you a little insight, okay? Regardless of who wins or loses, the sun will come up tomorrow. It's brilliant, Pastor. Brilliant. How about those cowboys? No, never mind. We better get one. Got a Bible? Go with me to Psalm 55. Psalm 55 is where we'll begin. Uh, me personally, I, I pray that they play, play to a 0 0 tie and they all have to kiss at midfield. Just a thought for you. Before I get going, uh, Sydney's way back there in the back. I want all of you to know that her birthday is tomorrow. And so she'll be a whopping 30 years old. She's, she's ancient. She's a dinosaur. So be sure and wish her a happy birthday. Well, we are on our series here on GPS. Again, giving, praying, and serving. Uh, a lot of this stems from Matthew 6 where the Lord Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, and even when you fast, not if, but when. And so as you're going to Psalm 55, I, I want to highlight some things about prayer. Again, I, I think we've done the church a, a disservice by not emphasizing prayer. We've, we've got to a place where we've de-emphasized it. And I'm talking about prayer that comes from your heart, not about how formal or eloquent or religious you are, but just to pray from your heart. And sometimes people will say stuff like this, well, when it comes to prayer, I tried that, and it didn't work. Well, aren't you glad you didn't use that same theory when it came to riding a bike? That many of you learned with training wheels, but you kept going. And same with swimming. A lot of times when it comes to swimming, you start out with little floaties, but you keep at it and you keep at it. Well, that's one of the things I want to highlight with prayer. Don't give up on prayer. Stay, stay with the things of prayer. All right. Psalm 55, verse 16. As for me. Now, this was King David in the writing here. And it's interesting. He says, before he goes any longer, as for me, comma, as for me, in other words, I, I don't know about the rest of you, Yahoos, but for me, this is what I'm going to do. As for me, I will call upon God. Just that bold. I'm going to call upon God. And the Lord shall save me. The Lord shall rescue me only when I call upon him. So what happens or what do you and me forfeit when we fail to call upon him? He goes on to say in verse 17, evening and morning and noon, I will pray and cry aloud. Now, notice the order there. He says evening, morning, and noon. In the Hebrew custom, the evening was the start of their day. That's the only reason it's saying that. So I'm going to change it up just a little bit to help me and you understand. Morning, noon, and night. Now, the apostle Paul, he, he talked about prayer. The man Daniel, he talks about prayer. Actually, it says about Daniel, he was a man that prayed morning, noon, and night. So when I begin to look at his cry here, I pray morning, noon, and night. If you remember a week ago, we were in Philippians 4, verse 6, where the apostle Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. So I had this thought on there. 
What about in the morning time when I pray? Just pour out my heart to God and I tell God my need. And then when lunchtime rolls around, I, I, I bring my supplications, my petitions before him and say, man, Father God, I gotta have you. And then when evening rolls around, it's a time of, man, thanksgiving. I thank you, Father God, for what you've done in my life. Now, this may help you a little bit with morning, noon, and night. You know what that normally signifies for every one of us in this room? The time we eat. So every time you go before the Lord to eat or to belly up to the trough, what would happen if you begin to pray? What would happen if you begin to give supplications? What begin to happen if, if you begin to give thanksgiving? And there's some of you that snack in between mealtime. What would happen is every time I got ready to eat in the natural, just I begin to pray and say, thank you, Father God. Now, I, I'm not talking about quantity. I'm talking about quality. I'm not saying you got to pray all day. And I don't believe that's what King David was saying. But something happens when I make prayer priority. He goes on to say, I will pray and I will cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Now, there was a confidence within King David. Man, when I cry out to God, when, when life comes at me and things begin to happen in seasons in my life and it seems like my, my faith is severely challenged, but I cry out to God and I call out to God, it sparks a, a, a tiny ember of hope within me. It, it may stir up a, a holy anger within you and say, I'm gonna call out to God. I'm gonna pray to God and he'll hear my voice. Now, my goal is today through the Bible to let you see our God is a God that'll hear your voice. I don't care who you are in here. God is a God who'll hear your voice. Same chapter, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord. Your cares are and anxieties. Now, listen real close to the definition of burdens. They're a weight, anything that, that presses upon you physically or emotionally, or better yet, it just overloads you. It just overloads. Now, what did the scripture say for me and you to do with our, our burdens? Cast them on the Lord. Cast them on the Lord. Let me, let me help you just a little bit with that. That is literally a transference of my burden in prayer upon the Lord. And so let me keep reading this, and I'm going to come back to this here in just a minute. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He'll protect you. He'll support you. He'll defend you to, to supply the means necessary for living. That's what sustain means. Let me help you a little bit. Only when I cast my burdens upon the Lord will he sustain me. Only. And, and he ends this and says, he shall never permit the righteous to be moved, to slip, to fall, or to fail. But everything on this verse hinges on me casting my burden upon the Lord. If I don't cast my burden upon the Lord, I lose or forfeit this. Now, when you see the wording here, cast your burden on the Lord, this, this was reflected in Peter's admonition in 1 Peter 5, 7, which literally says this, 
cast your care upon the Lord for he cares for you. The message says, and leave it there once and for all. Cast your care upon the Lord. Pour your care upon the Lord. So right now, you got cares, you got burdens, you got stuff that just weighted you down, maybe even in your mind where you say, man, my, my mind is getting ready to, to tilt. It's getting ready to stop. So I begin to think about this, that oftentimes in our life, we, we may have a basket full of dirty clothes. And I take that basket full of dirty clothes to the wash machine to, to have them washed and get all the stains and the dirt out. And as I take them to the wash machine, I never open the lid to the wash machine and pour them in. Even though that wash machine is right there to do what it's supposed to do, if I don't pour them out, my clothes won't get cleansed. That's the same with our burdens. Unless you cast them upon the Lord. So think about this. When you hear the word cast, what do you think of? I think of casting a fishing line. I cast that fishing line, but this time don't reel it back in. Let it go. Let God have it. God wants to cast you, or for you to cast all your care upon him. Every one of us in this room. Now, here's an issue I believe we run into. We begin to de-emphasize prayer. Now put your seatbelt on, okay? The average American right now, this is the average, will, send, will spend 7.4 hours a day looking at some screen. This is already hurting, Pastor. Now, only you know that. Only you know how much time you spend looking at a screen. How many hours a day do you commit to looking at that, that, that screen? So what ultimately happens, we become consumed and dependent upon a screen. And, and whether you like this or not, you're addicted to social media. You're more concerned with what people think than what God thinks. Now, the reason I'm highlighting this is because most people, when you talk about prayer, they'll say something like this. I don't have time. I don't have time. But the Lord said in John 3.30, he said, you need to let me increase in your life and you must decrease. So the truth is, when it comes to social media, you don't control it. It controls you. You know, prayer will change your life. Social media won't. You know what I found about social media? It's a great servant, but it's a horrible master. I don't have time to pray, Pastor. You know, I'm going to encourage you with something. In my life, when I, when I come into God's house, the church, I don't bring my cell phone with me. And some of you say, well, that's how I look at my Bible. I get that. Some of you do that. But how many of you in the middle of the service, you hear a little bing, and you start twitching? You know what I'm talking about. 
And, and you can't stand it unless you pull that up and begin to say, but I, I gotta have that, I gotta have that. Well, here's a revelation for some of you. There hasn't always been social media. That, some of you young ones are saying, what did you guys used to do? We used to live. See, here's my philosophy with this guy right here. As for me, I, I'm coming in here to, to worship God. I'm coming here to praise God. I, I want to give God everything I got. And if you're being convicted about this, this isn't me. That's the Holy Spirit that's working in you to say, man, you got to get your life reprioritized. You got to get back in order. You're way out of order. And so oftentimes I hear people, I don't have time to pray. Really, every sacrifice is based on preference. Go with me to Ezekiel 22 before some of you get up and walk out. You wouldn't do that, I know. Ezekiel 22, you'll go through Isaiah, Jeremiah. If you've gone to Daniel, you've gone just a little too far. The prophet Ezekiel. Again, guys, I, I think the thing we all must understand is that everything needs to be done in a balance. Everything, you know, including watching football. You can overdose on football, but again, that's, that's social media. It, it, it really bothers me when I see how much time people look at that screen. Just a thought, okay? Don't lose your salvation over that. Ezekiel 22, verse 23. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, Say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed. You're polluted. And because you're polluted, we haven't rained on the day of indignation. It hadn't rained. Verse 25. The conspiracy of her prophets. They plot conspiracies in her midst and is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. Now listen real close. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They extorted wealth. And they have made many widows in their midst. Now he's talking about what's going on in their land, okay? Verse 26. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy. Nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbath so that I profaned among them. So the priest, that there was no distinction between what was clean and unclean. They never taught what was right or wrong. They, they never got over onto what was, was sacred or secular. The priest, they just wouldn't teach the things of God. Verse 27, her princesses or her leaders in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood to destroy people and get dishonest gain. Now, what I begin to see here over and over, and he's not done yet. Every one of the categories, the prophets, the priests, and the princesses, it was all over financial or money. It was messing with their land. And I thought, that, that kind of sounds like our land at times. Verse 29, verse 28. 
Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar. They whitewashed them. Seeing false visions and divine intervening, which is off the word divination, lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. So literally what he says about the prophets, they were talking about visions and revelations, but they weren't from God. They were coming from mankind. Verse 29. The people of the land have used oppressions. They've committed robbery. They've mistreated the poor and the needy. And they have wrongly oppressed the stranger. So he said there was an epidemic in their land. Now if you go back and look right here. All the classes of society are singled out for punishment. The prophets, the priests, the princesses, and even the people of the land. So guess what he was saying? It was every class of society in this land. Now, watch and pay close attention to what he tells them to do in verse 30. So I sought for a man. It didn't say a bunch of men or a bunch of women. It says, I, I sought for just a man. Not princesses, prophets, or priests. Just, I, I sought for a man. Why did he seek for a man? Among them who would make a wall. Who, who would rebuild a wall. Now, this wall he's talking about wasn't a wall out of concrete, mortar, or rocks. But it was a wall of righteousness. That literally would be this, that we would make this wall, that we would become a people that would stand up for God and what God desired. Now this was his heart. He said, I, I sought for a man that would build a wall. Now keep reading. And stand in the gap. The word gap here, or standing in the gap, is a metaphor for uh, committed intercession. Intercession is a form of prayer which literally is we grant God the legal right to intervene in a situation. Now, I'm going to get back over on this here in just a second on this, this word intercession. But literally what he's talking about, with, without someone in place, the invasion of darkness is going to happen to the land. Even ultimately, destruction. So when I begin to look at this, literally what Ezekiel is saying here is God is looking for a human being right here on earth that he can partner with, that he can join hands with. So the word intercession, now listen real close to what it means. An act of bringing two parties together to make a connection, to build bridges to heaven. So he's looking for ones that'll stand in the gap. Now watch what he says. Before me, on behalf of the land. Now here's a thought for you. Do you think there's anything in your life that God is wanting to partner with you in the area of prayer to make a move here on this earth? Maybe your family. Maybe your job. Maybe our nation. I mean, I believe every one of us in here, God would love to partner with you. God would love to join hands with you. And so when you begin to see this area of intercession, you know what he's literally saying? 
Keep, keep the line of prayer open. Stay with prayer. Why? I should not destroy it, but I found no one. He couldn't find one. He said, I don't want to destroy it, but I got to have one. And here's the, the, the real meaning, verse 31. There I've poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with fire of my wrath, and I've recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. I'm going to give them the consequences of what they've done. So when you look at what he's saying, don't allow the price that needs to be paid to make intercession a passive issue. You know what the price is? It's going to cost you your time. And it's going to cost you your, your energy. But God says, I, I don't want to destroy the land. But unless I have ones that will pray, unless I have ones that, that will stand in the gap here with me. Now, go with me to the book of 1 John, way back here in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 5, and it's right before Revelation. You'll go through Hebrews, James, the Peters, and then 1 John chapter 5. And I believe this is going to come to life to you today, the significance of prayer. We, we must continually emphasize prayer in your life. And let me tell you this. Prayers for every one of us in this room. God desires for you to connect with him through prayer. We saw it with King David. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Pretty simple, isn't it? The way I have life is when the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, is the Lord of my life. It's pretty simple. And when he talks about life, he's not just talking about uh, going through 10, 20, 30, 40, 70 years. He, he's not talking about you just breathing. He's talking about me really, really having a life that I enjoy that has eternal significance. Verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Now let me ask you a question. Do you believe... In the name of the Son of God, do you believe that Jesus is Lord of your life? Do you believe that? Then you're born again. Now what he's getting ready to highlight for every one of us in this is a nugget of truth that, that if you're born again, you're going to get to a place of having this knowing on the inside. So when it comes to eternal life, if I or you were to die and go home right now, do you know where you would go? I'd say, yeah, I'm on my way to heaven. How do you know that? Because the B-I-B-L-E tells me, not, not a, a, a hope or a theory, but a fact. Now watch what he says here. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So eternal life not only signifies an endless life, but when he says that you continue to believe, it also means the quality of life 
that comes only through those who have faith in Jesus. So you know what he just said to you? The greatest thing is that you're born again. But then he says something else. That you would continue to believe. You would continue to trust. Why? Verse 14. Now this is the confidence. This is the assurance that we have in him because we're born again. Now listen. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, how do you know what God's will is? You know what God's will is? It's God's word. You know what God's word is? It's his will. Now, you know what he just told me and you? When you find out what the word of God says and you ask according to his will, what did he say? He would hear you. He would hear you. So guess what he's telling me you? The same confidence that we have in salvation that I got born again, I can have that same, uh, 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 that same confidence, that same assurance when I go to him in prayer. And he says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God desires to hear you. So you know what I get off that verse? If you want to be powerful in prayer, you got to be a person of the word. You get into the word of God and you begin to pray in line with God's will. And you know what he said? He would hear you. He would hear you. Verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know. Now, several times in this passage, he uses the word know, K-N-O-W. To know. So you know what I did? I said, I, I got to find out every definition of K-N-O-W. Now, all you, you teachers, I'm going to really impress you guys. Because usually I butcher the English language. But listen to some of this. The word know actually means to be well informed about. I'm well informed about my heavenly father. It also means acquainted. To know someone means to be acquainted with someone. To be acquainted with someone means I have a relationship with them. The last area that he meant, it means to know, I become distinguished because I know Father God. Now, if you go back and look at all this again, he says, if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So literally what I believe he's telling us, you got to get back to prayer, to bold, fervent Biblical prayer, and when I do it, there's a grace that comes from God and a power that comes from God. You know why? Because I know. I pray with this sense of, I know. I know that he hears me. You know, um, when you go to your house and you get ready to take a bath or a shower, you turn that hot water spigot on. 
And you may not have instant hot water, but you know, as long as I, I leave it on, it's going to eventually come. Unless you've got a jillion siblings and you're the last one in there. That's a different story. I've, I've been in that line. You guys been in that line? Okay. There's nine of these guys. I get that line. But when I don't get instant hot water, I don't turn it on and say, stupid thing, it's not going to work. I'm never going to. I, I leave it on because I know I'm going to eventually get it. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. So a couple years ago, me and Shelly were at the marriage retreat in Rio Doza. We get there a little early. And, and I remember pulling into the, the parking lot where the hotel is. There's, there's hardly anybody there. And I walked in and I said to the woman behind the desk, I said, how many people are staying here tonight? And she said, just five. So we go up to the room. I go up and I get ready to wash my hands and there's no hot water. Not for a minute, two minutes, not for five minutes, not for 10 minutes. So I go into the bathroom and I turn the, the bathtub faucet on full blast. Still no hot water. I turn the shower head on, still no hot water. So then I march back down to the bottom and I go to the loan behind the desk and I say, we got problems. I have no hot water. She said, where are you at? And I told her, and she said, oh, I know what the problem is. She said, all our hot water heaters, they are over here. You're staying over here. And I thought, well, why didn't I stay over here? <laughs> and not only did you put me over here, you put me on the third floor over here. So I looked at her, and I said, what do I do? And she said, leave the faucet on. I said, for how long? She said, until you get hot water. <laughs> she said, what's happening is you're having to pull hot water, first floor, second floor, and she said, you're the last of the last. So I said to her, I said, ma'am, I, I don't want to waste water. She said, that's all we can do, leave it on. So I go back upstairs. The faucets are still blasting, full blast, nothing. So my wife needs to go to Walmart. So I said, let's go. So I leave the faucet just blasting. <laughs> 45 minutes by the time I go over there, at least. I go all the way across and come back. I walk in, stick my hand in there, still cold water. But I don't turn the faucet off. I make sure they're full blast. After about 15 more minutes, it started becoming lukewarm. After 30 minutes, I finally got hot water. Why do I tell you this? Because when it comes to prayer, don't turn the faucet off. Amen. Stay with it. But, prayer, but, but pastor, my prayers aren't working. How do you know? You don't spell your name capital G-O-D. You got to stay with it and stay with it and stay with it. Because right here, the Lord says, I, I want you to know. I want you to know when you pray according to my will, I hear. He's a God who hears. He wants to partner with you. One last scripture. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. Ooh, write this one down, okay? 
Just one verse here, and this was the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 3, verse, verse 20. Ooh, listen to this. Now to him, Father God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Three adverbs right there. Exceedingly, abundantly, above. We're, we're not a God who, who just gives you a little dab will do. He said that our God, that, that, that in him, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. I, I, I don't want to limit God in, in my prayers. God, God is the God who does exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. When I go to him in prayer, and, and some of you read that and say, well, when's you going to start doing it then? Well, watch the end of this verse, and this will give us a little insight. According to the power that works in us. That word, according to the power that works in us, means a measuring out or a distribution. So how much of God's power are you measuring out or distributing in your, in your situations, in your prayers? So here's what happens right here. God has chosen to distribute his power through our prayers. What are you measuring out? Is there any distribution of his power through your prayers? And so again, we have not because we ask not. Something happens when we just go to God and begin to pray. And we begin to stand and say, Father God, I'm going to pour out my prayers to you. I'm going to pour out my heart to you. And we've seen over and over men and women in the Bible that modeled prayer to us. I, I pray you get a hold of this. That you realize our God is a God that wants to partner with you. Prayer is not a punishment. It's a privilege. Here's some thoughts for you. What would happen if we said, Father God, put a grace within me that I become a man, a woman, a young adult, a teen that says, morning, noon, and night, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to call out to you, Lord. Through, throughout the day, that you're, you're going to put bursts of prayer within me. Where when I begin to think of something, I, I, I don't freak out. I pray. That's the first area. The second area is, let me ask. You don't have to raise your hands. You got some burdens today. You got some things that are squeezing you. You feel like you, you, you got this backpack of life on you. They're just shoving you down. What the Lord say to do? Cast your burdens upon the Lord. God didn't create you or me to take those burdens. He said, give them to me. Give them to me. 
then again today? What about standing in the gap? What, what if our God is just waiting for you to join hands with him in prayer, to partner with him, to say, come on and pray? Well, I've tried that. No, that's the problem. We don't try it, we do it. We just stay with it. And the reason I say that is because we serve a God who wants to do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. But he's looking for you to partner. Why don't you stand up here today? Just stand here before the Lord. As our praise and worship team is coming here, If any of the things I just talked about, they, they resonate on the inside of you. I, I welcome you to come to the altars today. Oh God, I, I need a fresh anointing on you. There's some of you in here. You need to bring your burdens to the altar today. And not only bring them to the altar today, leave them here. Leave them. And it may, it may be you envisioning that where you come down here and say, okay, Father God, here it is, here it is. And, and you, you cast that burden here. And when the service is over, don't you dare walk by here and pick them back up. Say, Father God, I'm giving them to you. I'm turning them over to you. Just right now with every head bowed, just where you're at, you're welcome to keep coming. If you want to desire to come down here right now, God loves you, okay? See, sometimes I think we viewed prayer as just for religious people. It's just for just for the prophets, the priests. God wants to communicate with you. God wants to move within you today. He, he loves you, God. Listen, guys, God, God's not mad. He loves you. And so as they begin to sing here to start with, we're just going to give you an opportunity to come before the Lord. Just come before the Lord. Pour your heart out to Him. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.